0: hey guys so here's episode 1 chapter 1 um, of the book hair story untangling the roots of black hair in america so initially i thought i would just like take a few things We called black hair in bondage 1400 to 1899 the story starts in africa so Um, I'm just going to pick some of the things that I found interesting here. Um, There is not a single type of African hair, just as there is not a single type of African. The variety of hair textures from West Africa also ranges from the deep ebony kinky curls of the Mandingos to the loosely curled flowing locks of the Ashanti. The one constant Africans um, share when it comes to hair is the social and cultural significance intrinsic to each beautiful strand. So in the early 15th uh, century, hair functioned as a carrier of messages in most West African societies. Um, These societies include the Wolof, Mandi, Mandingo, Yoruba. Uh, were the people who filled the the slave ships that sailed to the new world. So um, these um, tribes that I just mentioned or citizens that I just mentioned are the um, descendants of the African Americans in America today. Um, So within these cultures, um, hair was an integral part of a complex language system. So our hair wasn't just hair, but it was actually used as a language, which is very significant um, because you don't see that in other cultures. Um, So our hair was part of our identity, part of our language. Um, You can understand um, someone's age, someone's marital status, someone's rank, um, their wealth, um, even their surname um, you would know based off of the way they wore their hair. So, the hairstyle also served as an indicator of a person's geographic origins. So, the Karumo people of Nigeria, for example, were recognized by their unique uh, kofir, a shaved head with a single tuft of hair uh, left on the top. Um, young girls who are not of marrying age, they actually partially shave their heads to emphasize their, their unavailability, right, for quartering, meaning... You know they weren't available for marriage so that was a way of showing that they weren't um of age to get married according to um the standards at that time um in these areas so also nigerian housewives uh, living in a polygamous society created a hairstyle intended to talk their husbands other wives which i find so funny so you know you could turn your back um the jealous rival of a wife and um, have a specific hairstyle and it'll pretty much like be like flipping up the bird you know Um, but except it's a hairstyle so uh, I find that very very funny so also traditionally the leaders of community men and women um, they showcase the most ornate hairstyles and only royalty or the equivalent would be expected to wear a hat or a headpiece so there was no other um no no one else wore a hat or a headpiece unless you were of royalty and that was a quote from a French, uh, French um, uh, anthrop- anthropologist uh, so um let's see what else we have here while the social significance of the hair was uh weighty for african people um the the aspects of the hair were very important west african communities admire a fine head of long thick hair on a woman it showed that um, showed bountifulness, it showed um, multiplying power, it showed prosperity, a green thumb for raising beautiful farms and many healthy children. So um, big hair, plenty of hair or much hair were the qualities every woman obviously wanted because it just showed that you would have a prosperous future if that were the case. Um, um, but there was, there was more to being beautiful than simply wearing, having a lot of hair. It had to be clean. It had to be neat. It had to be arranged in a specific style. Now, that's interesting to me. And that's interesting to me because um, even today, you find that a lot of African-American women, we don't just wear our hair in its natural state. Um, and I... Thought you know, perhaps it has to do with discrimination, right? So not just feeling like it would be accepted by everyone else. Um, But also, also another part of me um, thought that, you know, maybe it has something to do with something else. And as I'm reading this, perhaps it's because, you know, our ancestry shows that we could, we never just wore our hair out. We actually always arranged it in a specific style. And when I wear my hair natural after two days, I'm like, I have to do something with my hair. Even though I feel comfortable with my hair and it's Afro state, uh, state, I think it's beautiful. I love it. But me, myself, I feel like, oh my goodness, I need to do my hair. And I feel like a lot of African-American women have that same feeling like it's something about like i have to arrange my hair in a specific style i have to change my hair um or braid it or you know something do something with it right so um that's funny that it says that here that in in as early as the 1400s um, or the 15th century, this was something that, you know, we did. And if you didn't have your hair in a specific style and you just left it undone, it was actually a signal that something was wrong with you, it says. It says the woman was either bereaved, depressed, or habitually dirty, um, which is, wow, crazy. So if you didn't wear, if you didn't do something with your hair and you just left it undone, you were considered something's wrong with you, and that you're dirty or depressed or insane, um, and um, I, I just find that very, very like wow, wowing because till this day, you know, we we know black women don't play about about our hair. But what's even more interesting is um, the hair's the hair value and worth was heightened by its spiritual qualities. So we actually um, not only use it as a language, but um, We actually used it as a language, as a way of communicating with God, um, which is very significant because now it's taking on a spiritual identity. So it says the hair is the most elevated point of your body, which means it is the closest to the divine. So it indicates that that the power is in the hair. Because the hair is the closest thing to the heavens, communication from the gods and the spirits uh, was thought to pass through the hair to get to the soul. Is what I'm I'm quoting here, which which is um also wowing, also amazing. Um. So and it was it's also said that um spells could be cast or harm could be brought to another person by acquiring. A single strand of their hair, so that's the Waluf tradition. Um, it says that the woman had the power to make men crazy for them by calling on the power of the gen- genies and spirits in the hair. So the hair was thought to be so powerful that even medicine men in um, Cameroon used hum- human hair to adorn the vessels and can. And- containers in which they carried their healing potions as a means of protection and added potency so it actually sounds something like uh, voodoo so i'm assuming this is where um you know some of those practices stem from because a person's spirit supposedly nestled in the hair the hairdresser always held a special place in community life i love that i love that <clears throat> because today part of our culture in America as African Americans is the barbershop it's the hair salon we spend a lot of our time there um, but it's it's like a nice community gathering place um, but this stems all the way back to our roots obviously right in Africa it's because our hair It wasn't just hair, right? So if I'm using my hair to communicate with God, I'm not going to just let anyone in my hair, right? So that's why the hairdresser has always held a special place in the the community. The hairdresser was often considered the most trustworthy individual in society. Wow. The complicated and time-consuming task of hair grooming included washing, combing, oiling, braiding, twisting, in or decorating the hair with any number of ordnance, including cloth, beads, and shells. Uh, the process could last several hours, sometimes several days, right? That hasn't changed. We see that in salons, right? You go to the salon, you know you're going to be in there for some time. <laughs> Often the only tools the hairdressers used were a hand-carved wooden comb, specifically designed with long teeth and rounded tips to remove tangles and knots without causing excessive pain. Palm oil, hmm, and years of creative know-how. So I'm looking at a picture here. I wish you, I wish I could show you guys. Perhaps I'll post it on my Instagram. But it shows the comb that we use, and it looks a lot like a pick, um, which I own now. Since I've been natural, I've been using a pick. I know people, you know, got all these opinions about natural hair nowadays. And I post on YouTube and other channels and say this is what you need to use for your hair, but um, based off of reading this book and how important hair was um, to us, in you know, in this time, I would assume that the pick is probably would be the best thing to use even to till to today, since you know it was designed by our ancestry. Hair sessions are a time of shared confidence and laughter. The circle of women who do each other's hair are friends bound together in a fellowship. We should do this more often, um, but we do see this in hair salons, where, you know, braiding, getting your hair braided in the hair salon is is, is a time to to bond with your community and you know talk to whoever's doing your hair. Um, let's see what else we got here. Clearly, hair has never been a purely cosmetic attribute for the West African people. That is very important. I feel like this is very important for every African American woman to to know about. Um, Because, you know, there's behind every strong man, there's uh, even stronger woman, right? So if we want to see change within our communities, I feel like a lot should be done with you know, women taking the leading roles and educating ourselves um, and feeling confident about ourselves and, and just knowing our our history is very important. Um, let's see what else we have here. So then it goes on to talk about, you know, when we came over to the new world. Right. And how things have changed um, from there. So let's see. It's called the slave trade. So this is going to be some news. For for some people, because I was very shocked when I was reading this, but it says, when the first Europeans began exploring the west western coast of Africa around 1444, they were chasing fantasies of unclaimed riches. Keep that in mind, right? So our hair is obviously a part of those those um riches. Our hair is, is, is rich to us, right? It signifies based off of how big someone hair a woman hair was of you know, wealth, it signified wealth, um, it signified um, healthy children. So let's just keep that in mind. But it says, instead of finding virgin territory flush with golden treasures, however, the European travelers discovered thriving African nations and new trading partners. For almost a 100 years thereafter, the Europeans enjoyed a cordial trading relationship with the Africans. So I have read on social media that, um, Africans, um, that we were actually, um, partners with the Europeans and that we sent our own people into slavery. And I, uh, actually didn't believe it for the longest time, but as we continue to read on, it says exchanging weapons, textiles, liquor, and shiny baubles of, for gold, ivory, and sometimes even a small number of human slaves. Who would be ta- taken to the European continent, and so, boom, there it is. And I didn't get that. I'm drinking coffee, just in case you guys are wondering what the pause was. But, um, there it is. There it is. Um, this is not something from a Facebook page, a social media page, you just pulled straight out of a library. Um, so it is what it is. We we did. Um, sell our, our, own, our own people into slavery, and that, that was a very hard pill for me to swallow actually when I first read that. And I was really shocked. Um, so this was a productive time for European exploration of the West African coast, and many men wrote about the majestic Africans they met along the way. Um, so we you know, cause it just goes on to talk about things that we traded and, um, dyes, clothing, material and such. Um, but we're, that's not our main focus, but I did wanted to just put that in there be, because we've been taught, you know, you know, we, we, we haven't had the full picture about slavery and I don't remember ever being taught in school that my people were responsible for for you know, selling me or selling, um, my ancestors into slavery. So, um, just so you guys know, this is from a credible source as credible as I get a book. So we did sell our own people into slavery. Um, so let's continue to just talk about more about the hair. Uh, the, um, singolo I'm sure I'm not pronouncing some of these names correctly, but it's spelled S E N E G A L blacks have, their hair either curled or long and lank and piled up on their head in the shape of a pointy hat, wrote French explorer Jean Barbot. Um, the Quakwa, Qua, on the other hand, wear long locks of hair, plaited and twisted, which they daubed with palm oil and red earth. Um... So that's a quote from an explorer. Explorer at at that time who actually seen this and was and was you know making note of it. I don't know what red earth is. I would have to assume it's mud. Um, they use palm oil and mud um, to keep their hair in place. The hairstyles were often elaborate works of art, showcasing braids, plates patterns shaved into the scalp and any combination of shells, flowers, beads, or strips of material woven into the hair. Um, Very cool. So, you know, we still see that today. Um, Even though some of the Africans with whom the Europeans came in contact wore very little in the way of clothing, sometimes only a well-placed loincloth. The hairstyles were the most elaborate, so we could care less what we were wearing <laughs> as long as our hair was okay, <laughs> which just <is> funny because <laughs> I hear that i've I've heard jokes i've 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 seen memes on social media where it's like you know black women don't care about no bills, she don't care her bills ain't paid, but she like, I got these bundles for three hundred dollars girl, Like, girl I don't know why I'm struggling, but. Yeah, I just got my hair done. It cost like five hundred dollars. So <laughs> it's funny because this attitude goes all the way back, right? Um, to to the time we were, you know, in our our home our homeland, where the Europeans first came over and seen us and saw that our clothing was nothing but a cloth or barely that and our hair was just the most elaborate. So we still see that today. We don't care what we look like, right? As long as our hair is done, I don't care about nothing as long as my hair is done. I think that's, that's very funny um, that I still see that going on today. Okay, um, so let's see what else we got here. Clearly nothing was meant to cover the Africans' people's Crowning Glory. When I when I read that, that's very that's very um that's very important to me because uh we cover our hair a lot nowadays um with weaves and wigs and now I'm obsessed with wigs. I've been obsessed obsessed with wigs since I was a little girl, right? So I don't know um why that is um but I'm I'm probably never going to stop wearing wigs. But I do wear my natural hair a lot more often um, than I used to. And I feel like we all, African-American women, should take more pride. And I hear I'm not saying, you know, don't wear weaves or don't wear what you want or do what you want to do with your hair. But I do feel like um, our hair is, is very important um, as far as our identity and who we are. Um, so, so, going over to the new world, um, some things I want to point out that is written here in this book. Um, it says, One of the first things the slave traders did to their new cargo was shave their heads if they had not already been shorn by their captors. So, that, that's significant, because given the importance of the hair to an African, having the head shaved was an unspeakable crime. Right? Our hair was our identity, our, our means of language. Our, it showed our geographical background. It showed if we were married. It showed if if we were wealthy. It showed it, it was more than just you know hair. Um, now, when we read further, we can see that they did this on purpose, right, to take away our identity and means of confidence in who we are. So it says, um, it's a quote from Frank Herman. He's a director of exib- ex- uh, exhibitions at New-, New York's Museum for African Art and specialist in American hairstyles. A, a, a shaved head can be interrupted as taking away someone's identity, right? As I said before, as we can assume based off of what we just learned, um, Presumably, the slave traders shaved the heads of their new slaves for what they considered sanitary reasons, but the effect was much more insidious. So, perhaps, according to this book, um, and according to Frank uh, Heerman, um, whatever, um, I'm probably sure I didn't pronounce his name right, but whatever, Any in, in any case, they shaved our, the heads of our ancestors coming over... For sanitation reasons but not realizing the the background of of our ancestors. I mean we're the ones who sold our ancestors sold ourselves right into slavery so it was it was more of a a money right it was all about money. Just as they would trade material they traded their own people and um, not knowing the significance of our hair it was shaved um, so the shaved head was the first step the Europeans took to erase the slave's culture and alter the relationship between the African and his or her hair. Very important to keep in mind. Um, that was the first step. Um, and in order to know how to change um, things that are going on now, you have to know the past. You have to you have to know your history. So it says separating individuals from family and community on the slave ships during the Middle Passage furthered their alienation from everything they had ever known. Wow, that's very scary. Um, So let's just read a little further. I'm going to skip a little bit ahead. As years passed, um, servitude for blacks evolved into a race-based institution called slavery. Wow. So 1641, Massachusetts became the first English colony to legalize slavery. In 1662, Virginia courts reversed the statutes of the Father Clause so that children inherited the status of their mother instead of their father, who, were sometime, who was sometimes white, right? Um, the slave owner would um, impregnate um, the slave sometimes, but you were considered white based off of your father. But that changed in 1662 that if your mom was white uh excuse me was black or native american um then you were considered black or native american so it mentions native american as well because um i guess they also were slaves in some sense um as we as we know already but again not the point so let's continue um the primary needs for slaves in british north america was to work the massive plantations in the mid-atlantic and southern states as we know slave owners were very interested in africans agriculture expertise so it was it was essentially all just to help each other out trading things um as we see um later on that that obviously changed and we can see the same discrimination today. So specifically at growing rice, but for the most part showed no inclination to respect the Africans humanity or culture. And that's where the problem came in. So now we're to the new world. Um moreover treasured African combs were nowhere to be found in the new world, right? So how do we manage our hair? How do we take care of our hair? So the, the once long, thick, and healthy tresses of both women and men became tangled. It became matted, right, because we couldn't comb it. Out of desperation for a tool to replace the African comb, um, the slaves began using a sheep fleece carding tool to untangle their hair. Interestingly there appears to be no record of slaves making new combs specifically designed for their kinky hair. So there's no record that the combs, that, um, you know, we made any combs for ourselves after, after this time. Um, I mean, I see some things now because of the whole going natural movement, um, but the only thing that exists that is remotely identical to what we used to use um before we came over to the new world is the pick so I would encourage using that that's just my opinion but uh, that's just my opinion okay so let's see what else we got here um there appears to be no record of slaves making a new comb yep we read that We carded our hair because we never had no combs, but the cards, they worked better. We called former slave Jane Morgan in an interview with a government worker from the Work Projects Administration. Wow, that's very interesting. So it was a quote directly from a previous slave for those who, you know, are, um... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the ones who question everything and don't believe anything, even if it's coming from a credible source like a book. So, um, just so you know, a lot of the things I'm reading in here are quotes from people who actually lived in this time. We used the cards to card wool with also, and we just wet our hair and then carded. The cards had wooden handles and strong steel wire teeth, Morgan recalled. Scalp diseases like ringworm became per, um, pervasive among the slave population, as did lice infestation, which I find very interesting because I know growing up, my mom's like, oh, yeah, black people, you know, it's common to think that black people can't get lice. But um, I'm seeing right here firsthand from an African slave or, or someone who who was a slave, um, Morgan, this is, this is the last name, Jane Morgan that there was an infestation of mice. Um, So, with an outbreak of ringworm occurred, slaves commonly tied a rag around their heads to cover the unsightly scabs left by the affliction. And a worse infection would then ensue, creating a vicious cycle of hair problems, breakage, patch, and patchy baldness. So, according to this book, um, and to this source, um, which is very credible, Must I add again? Our we don't have bad genes when it comes to hair, so we can we can throw that out, right? We can stop saying, oh, black women don't can't grow long hair because we have bad genes. Not a thing. It's not a thing. If you saw old old pictures, very old from this time, of 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 Africans wearing rags on their heads to cover their hair it's probably because of this vicious cycle of um lice and infection and and, and ringworm because they didn't have the proper means to take care of their hair so just just keep that in mind um for the slaves who toiled in the fields and lived in separate slave quarters, the women wore head rags, and the men took to shaving their heads, wearing straw hats or using animal shears to cut their hair short. On the other hand, the slaves who experienced a close relationship with the white population—laundresses, dress laundressers, barbers, barbers, excuse me if I'm talking funny, cooks, nursemaids, housekeepers, uh, valets. Often styled their hair in an imitation of their white owners. Okay, so this is where we see the encounter of straightening our hair and trying to look like white people when it comes to our hair, um, because they work closely with the white population. Um, That's why they did this to their hair. For example, in the 18th century, it was a fashion; it was fashionable for white men of the upper class to wear wigs. I forgot women, I forgot men wore wigs. So, so strange to me. Anyways, as a result, some black slaves took to wearing wigs as well. Wow, okay. Others shaped and styled their own hair to look like a wig. The slaves who worked inside the plantation houses were required to present a neat and tidy appearance or risk the wrath of the master. So men and women often wore tight braids plates and cornrows plates or plaits spelled P-L-A-I-T-S I'm not sure if I'm I'm pronouncing that right but in any case I find that interesting that it said that their hair needed to be tidy um, or they would have to uh, face consequences from the master uh, quote unquote the master Um, but it says that they wore braids so braids were considered neat those were considered tidy. That hairstyle was considered neat or tidy, it made by sectioning the hair and braiding it flat to the scalp. The braid patterns were commonly based on African traditions and styles. So, what was they wore their hair tidy and neat in their own eyes? So, they put it in braids because that was considered neat in their own tradition and their own styles. So they weren't forced by white people to straighten their hair at this time. If anyone thinks, if anyone had thought that before, other styles blacks were approved to be in um, of traditional African hairstyles. Um, so it just goes on and on a little bit about that. Um, so there's some fun facts for you. Um, this chapter is, is ending pretty soon, so I just wanted to talk about one more thing. Um, before I wrap up this episode, but black women, um, to perceive themselves as ugly and inferior. That's a quote from Deguri Leary. Um, so the reason why I'm quote reading that quote is because we have to figure out where did it become a taboo in our society amongst black society that our hair isn't pretty. So, in this new land dam- dominated by pale skin and straight hair, African hair was deemed wholly unattractive and inferior by the Europeans. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, as we suspected, this idea that our hair isn't pretty or our hair is unattractive came from the Europeans. Right, as we as we kind of knew right but we don't want to just assume because we heard it and we've heard it and heard it but we want to read it and actually dissect and actually do research so but here's the research and that's what it says Many white people went so far as to insist that blacks did not have real hair preferring to classifying it in a de- derogatory manner as wool so they would say our hair wasn't even real hair and they would call it like wool or something. Which I think i 've heard actually i shouldn 't say i 've heard i 've actually likened my own hair to wool, which is which is wow this is this is very shocking to me. Um, so this kind of attitude came as early as the 1700s um, so in runaway advertisements, they would actually talk a lot about the hair in a derogatory way um, about a runaway slave. They would mention the hair um, as being um, you know wool or not real or and just make comments like runaway slave with crazy hair right so it was a brainwashing tool so um and then later white slave owners sought to pathologize african features like dark skin and kinky hair to further demoralize the slaves especially it says especially the women that's very important And, you know, it's the whole reason why I'm making this podcast. And it's funny that it says that this was especially um, targeted towards African-American women. We see a lot of things going on with our men today. But this all stemmed from, you know, taking the confidence away from their women. Um, Aided by the scientific community, which had officially regulated dark-skinned, wooly-haired people to the bottom of the evolution. Excuse me, I don't know why I can't speak. Of the... Evolutionary ladder, the slave owners' brainwashing took root. So, this is where the light skin and dark skin come into place. That came from the slave owner calling the dark darker-skinned woman with um, tighter curls um, not. They didn't actually call them ugly, but or call them unattractive. It was never actually said. Um, And that's usually how brainwashing works, right? Um, For example, the following hair descriptions of runaway slaves were used in an East Coast newspaper at the time. And it reads, strong bearded and hair longer than Negroes commonly have a very good head of hair. A short chubby fellow with extraordinary bushy hair. So that's an advertisement about a runaway slave, um, using the hair in a negative way. Um, and it just goes on and on. <sighs> wow. Yeah, so even reading this the second time is a lot to take in. Um, but I want to get into more about the light skin and dark skin, because this is where this comes into place. Um Let's see. All right. So and also the the term good hair and bad hair is mentioned in this book. And I want to touch on that. Um and I also want to mention so it says so wildlife did not suddenly become pleasant and for, for the slaves they were uh, allowed or advocated somehow uh, for personal grooming because obviously if they're going to be working in um, their quote unquote master's home um, I guess they would want them groomed well so on Sundays um, in order to attend church they were allowed to get all groomed up and spend that day preparing um, for church so because this was the only day when there was time to devote to oneself Sundays became the designated day for doing hair and there's a quote from a former slave that says the only time the slaves had to comb their hair was on Sunday which I find very interesting Um, and it says the women would wrap each other's hair so it would stay fixed till the next Sunday um that's amazing. So we see the same thing in salons today. Um When we go to the salon right on the weekend, on us on a, on a weekend, whether it's Saturday or Sunday or Friday, right? The whole weekend is actually pretty busy. It um, extends all the way back to this time. Um, we get our hair done, and then we have to wrap it, right? Everyone knows the famous wrap, and it's so funny because here it says the woman's wrap their hair. So you know your hairdresser would tell you wrap your hair in a circle every night, and then come back in two weeks or a week, right? So it says all week the hair might be hidden under a scarf, but for church on Sundays, the hair would be combed out and styled. So that's where we see this um, coming from. Um, Sundays was our day now that was given to us um, for, you know, for church and we would wrap our hair up so that it stayed fixed until that following Sunday. So I'm assuming this is where the, the scarves came in to maintain a hairdo. (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. So, um, so after two centuries in bondage, a unique homegrown system of black hair care had developed. So, this is where we see us being able to do our own hair and um, making products and having products for our own hair to be done. Um, so, I'm going to go on, though, um, from that into good hair and the bad hair section and see where did this 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 kind of term come from? Because I've heard, we've all heard this term in our own communities, which is very problematic. It says the quest for straight hair was often a treacherous obsession for the slaves, but it was not just about conforming to the prevailing fashions of the day. Straight hair translated to econ- economic opportunity and social advantage, right? As we had an idea, as we knew, right? Um, It became a way, the only way we can make a living um, was to straighten our hair to right, get hired or to get, you know, get a job and make a living. Um, That's where the straight hair comes in. Because many of the more than 100,000 free blacks in 19th century America were the mulatto offspring of the first African arrivals and their European companions, lighter skin and loosely curled hair would often signify free status. In fact, many light-complected slaves tried to pass themselves off as free, hoping their European features would be enough to convince bounty hunters that they had belonged to the privileged class. So this is where the light skin and dark skin come in um yeah which is also problematic um so i can see why there was even today a feud um because um, the lighter skin were able to get away with a lot more things and even be considered free but um that changed because it says it says The rule of thumb was that if the hair showed just a little bit of kinkiness, a person would would be unable to pass as white. So it went from the, the skin, color of your skin mattering actually to the hair. So even if uh, you're pale, right? And, you, and it's because you're a mulatto, right? You're mixed, you, you have some kind of um, European, in your ancestry. If your hair was curly, if it was kinky in any way, even just a little curl, you were considered black. So this is why this is very important because we felt like hair isn't important, like oh, it's the color of your skin. But actually, our hair was, was the big problem, um, and and that's important for us to know now. So being natural today is not just going natural; it's a statement of freedom in America today. Um, because even today we face you know some discrimination in schools some discrimination in with jobs for wearing our natural hair and the more we wear our natural hair the more the more it's not a taboo within our own community and we don 't treat it like a tab- taboo in our own community the more people of other communities and other cultures will respect it um, and we actually and I actually um um found something like that of what I just said and believe in this book it says um Oh wow, it says straight hair was not only about freedom for a slave. Um, So yeah, it was, I mean, we could blame our ancestors and be like, why they do this? But it was the only way, you know, to live at this time. Um, It says, the jealous mistress of the manor often shaved off the um, mane of hair. Indicating that white women understood the significance of long, kink-free hair. So this is about a um, a wife, a white wife of a master whose mistress was a mulatto, um, uh, African-American, or African woman of lighter s- skin tone, um, the jealous you know wife would come in and shave the hair of of the the slave um, the word the book uses the sex slave um, right because they were working in the house they were con they were light of light of skin um, no one said that the light skin light skins are better than dark skin, not even the slave owners right but because they were the ones selected by the slave owner to work in the home, instead of on the field, um, just by that action, it showed that they were favored um, and that they were more attractive um, than the dark-skinned, tighter-curled woman. No one actually said that was the case, but based off of how they were treated, um, we can see um, why that is. I wouldn't want to be a sex slave i I think I would prefer working in in, in the field. Um, it's actually quite horrible, but in, in any case, as a lighter skin straightened hair slaves, men and women continued to curry favor with the whites and power a skin shade, hair texture hierarchy developed within the social structure of the slave community, so this is where we see it enter our community because of this, it entered our community. Um, it became a division um, to the point where um, there was sh- uh, called a shade test to, to go to a black church that was owned by a mulatto church. In other, like, So if you weren't light-skinned, right, and you didn't pass the shade test, you literally had to put up a, a shade. <laughs> they had, like, a, a piece of paper that you had to put up to your skin, and if you didn't pass the shade test, you weren't allowed in, in that church. And that's among the black community, which is... scary so the light-skinned slaves were said to have good hair and the dark-skinned slaves to have bad hair this was the the um, the idea at this time good hair was thought of as long and lacking in kink tight curls and frizz and the straighter the better bad hair was the namely African hair in the purest form white slave masters reinforced the good hair light-skinned power structure in two ways so this is the book telling us how how did this come about, right? No one actually said this, but this was how it came about. One by selecting the lighter-skinned, straight-haired slaves for the best positions within his household, he showed that they were more desirable. That's what. it's a quote from the book, just just so you know, it's not coming, not pulling it out of my butt, right? So that's what it says and then it says black people themselves internalized the concept and within their own ranks propagated the notion that darker skinned blacks with kinkier hair were less attractive less intelligent and worth less than their lighter hued brothers and sisters sad very shameful so we internalized the concept and kind of accepted it and brought it up in our own community Um, very shameful Um, we despise we almost hate ourselves in all that favor favors us lamented one William J. Wilson so that was a a quote by him saying that um it's shameful that we accepted that kind of thinking in our society Um, wow so this is episode one I'm not going to read the whole whole chapter to you guys, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of insight, um, about some history. Um, I'm not going to do the full homework for you guys. You, we all have to, you know, take some part and educate ourselves because it's very important. Um, so I'm just making sure I'm not missing anything, but, um, that's pretty much the history of our hair and, um, how certain ideas got instituted in our community um the light skin versus dark skin the good hair versus bad hair um and and such so and the next chapter is no excuse for nappy so i'm gonna read that pull some things from it that i want to talk about with you guys um and and i'm um, definitely you know. Work together to get educated on on the hair matter because I think it's important um, because it's part of it was it's part of our identity. It, it, I don't want to say was in the past tense, but it is because it's a part of our ancestry. Um, and clearly, even today, it's important because African Americans um, are the ones driving the hair industry in America today. Um, so um, that is all. Um, Thank you guys for listening in.